Stay tuned for an announcement following this week's episode. Banded together by a mutual yearning for the more simplistic times and random fun of the comic books of yesteryear, Alec Berry and Scott Gardner now travel back. Back to the bins! Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. This is episode 18 and I am Scott Gardner. And I am Kung Fu Master. <laughs> oh man. So how are you doing today, alright? I'm doing good. Did you read, doing some, good. read some funny books? Yeah, funny books. What, what you I got, got a real funny one this week. Uh oh, what you got for no. us this week? You want me to get into it? Yeah, get right into it. Alright. Alright. This is Iron Fist, number 10, <laughs> cover dated December 1976. Got story by Chris Claremont and uh, artwork by John Byrne and Dan Atkins with colors by Bonnie Wilford. Um, this issue picks up with an awesome splash page of, you know, Iron Fist being cornered in an alley with a spotlight on him. And it says, hold it, Iron Fist. Make a move and you're one dead superhero. So it's not a good beginning for this character, as you can see. Uh, you turn the page and you can see that there's cops got him pinned up. And they're after him for some reason. They're taking out shotguns. And, you know, they're going to arrest Iron Fist. And, you know, he can't get arrested. He's a good guy. You know, it can't happen. So he takes a brick and throws it right at the headlights of the cop car. And, you know, he just takes off. And they start firing at him. Iron Fist comes up behind and just takes out the cops. Darts up a fire escape. And he's off into the night. Uh, From there, we understand why he's being hunted by the police. And it turns out, last night in this book... Um, Iron Fist was in a fight with a gang lord known as Chaka, um, you know, fighting him. And apparently he killed Chaka, but when he killed the person, killed Chaka, he finds that it wasn't Chaka. It was just, uh, his brother dressed as Chaka and, you know, let him there just to set up Iron Fist and get him with murder. And then right when, you know, he finds this discovery, the cops show up and from there, Iron Fist is a wanted man. So, you know, he dives back down in the alley in the present, and he sees the glint of a uh, gun barrel, you know, with the street lights around the corner. So he thinks there's another cop after him. He goes up and basically kicks this person, not really knowing, knowing who it is, and discovers that it, it is his friend, Misty, Misty Knight, and along with another friend, Colleen. And, you know, they're kind of aggravated. They don't really want to believe that Iron Fist is a killer, but, you know, that action really isn't going to help so they kind of get in an argument and start tussling a little bit until, you know, Iron Fist can get them to listen. And he ends up telling them his story about being framed for murder and so what, and they agree to help him out. Uh, from there, you know, Iron Fist kind of realizes his rage and how he's being played by Chaka, so he basically swears with all the energy in his body to take down Chaka's crime kingdom and uh, not really to rest while he does it. And then we just get a great splash page of just, you know, Iron Fist running towards you, and in the background, you kind of just have him beating up all these different criminals. Uh, you kind of get the narration of, like, days are passing as he's, you know, not resting, beating the crud out of these guys, and basically taking this crime empire apart bit by bit. From there, there uh, you find Iron Fist, Misty Knight, and Colleen kind of relaxing back at the uh, Heroes for Hire headquarters, uh, their little, you know, office building or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, they're just chatting, and, you know... 
uh, Misty's kind of saying, you know, you can take apart this empire, but at the end of the day, the sheriff's still going to come down here and arrest you. You're not going to get away from it. And, you know, Iron Fist is like, yeah, I understand, but at least Chaka's going down with me. And then right at that, as he says that, Chaka busts through the wall of this office building and um, easily takes out Colleen and Misty Knight. And it's just him and Iron Fist, mano y mano. Isn't it? <laughs> what? I'm just cracking up because isn't Chaka the name of the little caveman kid on the Land of the Lost? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> so I've just got this mental image of Iron Fist versus Chaka from Land of the Lost. It just cracks me up. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I don't mean right. to derail you. No, it's fine. Well, yeah, the little fucking, um, uh, the cave, the caveman. Yeah, yeah he whatever. looks like a little Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. I think that is his name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chaka's dressed as like a tiger, so it kind of would make sense in a way. I don't know. <laughs> but from there, you know, they continue battling and they throw themselves and they're, you know, they're, they're just fighting. But there's this one great full page splash. But yet it still conveys a story where it's just got Iron Fist and Chaka battling and they're, they're falling down this flight of stairs and then they just throw themselves out the front door. And it's really just this great progressive, like, art piece of art just showing motion and everything. It's, it's really cool. I've never actually seen anything like it. Uh, from there, they land out onto the street and, you know, they're lying in, kind of on the sidewalk. Chaka just takes off for unknown reasons. Iron Fist can't figure out why is he running away? Why is, you know, did I win that easily? And he just kind of figures out that Chaka is just leading the fight into the street so that he can use the traffic as a kind of like camouflage. So Iron Fist goes out there and unsuspecting Chaka sneaks up behind him and wraps his um, uh, nunchucks right around his neck, choking him out. And he can't break a free Iron Fist is you know, getting ready to die. But Iron Fist basically punches the nunchucks right in front of his like throat uh, and just breaks the nunchucks. And this part, he's just pissed off. And he's just you know saying, all right, Chaka, this is it. We're man to man. I'm taking you down. And... Um, he get, you know, he just grabs him by the collar and just starts wailing and wailing on him, just beating the shit out of him. And uh, there, the sheriff starts showing up, and you know, Chaka just kind of laughs. It's like, all right, you know, we're both going to jail. This will be fun. And then all of a sudden, Chaka's brother just appears out of nowhere, and we find out that he never really truly died. Uh, he was just claimed dead and put into protective custody by the sheriff. And while he was there. Uh, his brother kind of was upset with Chaka and told him everything about the crime empire. And now Iron Fist, uh, his name is free, Chaka's going to prison, but the brother kind of uh, leaves a hint that, that, you know, this battle is won, but the crime, the war against crime still wages on. And that is this issue. Uh, I love the artwork in this issue. I thought the panel layouts were uh, awesome. Was, uh, the style, the color, that. everything, the style, the colors, everything were great in this book. Uh, the writing as well, I thought it was a very good story. Uh, even, you know, Chris Claremont, I guess this might be pre his X-Men stuff, but, you know, he always kind of gets blag, uh, lagged down with like all too much exposition, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really get that in this that much. It was, uh, you know, I never really felt like anything was repeated or drawn out. I thought it was pretty well paced and I, I really dug it. Uh, you know, Iron Fist kind of always got laughed at before the, the recent series is kind of just a throwaway character, but I, I really liked this story. Yeah, I was hoping hoping you were going to say that about the art because uh, I this is one of those series I would love to go be able to go back and fill in the the issues I'm missing because I only lack just a few to complete it. Of course, the 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 big one I'm missing is uh, I think it's number sixteen is mm-hmm. the big 
expensive one because that's the first appearance of Sabretooth, and it's like a huge collector's item these days, so it's like goes for wicked prices. But the rest of this, I'm pretty sure I've snagged this stuff out of like 50 cent bins, and mm-hmm. it's, I mean, the art is fantastic, but I mean, you know, kudos to, to John Byrne because only, you know, his great art could get me to buy a book about a kung fu dude wearing yellow slippers, you know, because I mean, I really don't have the slightest interest in the whole chop sake thing and the whole thing with, you know, just, just Iron Fist in general does not interest me yet. You know, any issue of this I ever read, I loved it. You know, I mean, I just really liked the art and, uh, you know, there was a, a couple issues later in number 12, he fought, uh, Captain America and that was a great story. I mean, there was just some really good stuff. And I think if I'm not mistaken, when he fought the X-Men in number 15, I think that may have been the first time that Byrne ever drew the X-Men, hmm. you know, before he actually became the artist on that book. And that's, you know, that's the book that actually made a name for John Byrne was was X-Men. But I think he actually first drew them in this, if, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, just, just some great stuff. And I always got a kick out of... Uh, uh, Misty Knight too, because I'm isn't she the one? She had like a bionic arm or something like that, which I'm pretty sure was like a, you know, a take on uh, on the bionic woman that was real popular at that. You know, the six million dollar man and the bionic woman were like you know big things on TV at that time. So I think that was kind of a supposed to be you know tying into or not tying in, but you know, kind of stealing that thunder. You know, riding that popularity wave at the time. So. It's kind of just wacky fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that stuff. So cool. it, were, were you intrigued enough to to want to read more of this? Oh, hell yeah. I really enjoyed this. Definitely want to get some more of it. I think it's I, – I thought it was really well done. Well, they eventually merge him together. You know, the, he and Power Man oh, both yeah. had a book going at the same time, and then for some weir- weird reason I never understood, they, like, mashed the two books together. And it actually became a pretty – pretty popular thing when they you know they had their title together i i have read a little bit of that stuff and you know most of it was pretty cool mm. so yeah awesome. I, would, I would definitely say keep uh, keep checking that out because that that's some fun fun comics right there definitely definitely all right scott well, break I've, it down what you got i've got fun comics too <laughs> no you don't i do too no, you don't i'll believe it well, this is like fun, fun in a, in a kind of a disturbing kind of fun manner. But uh, we're going back to March of 2004 for this one. So just a short little jaunt back. This is The Punisher, number one. This is from the Marvel Max imprint. Oh. Um, I lucked into this baby for 50 cents recently. It was a great find because I've long wanted to collect this. I've read it before. But I didn't actually have any of the issues, so I, I was really, uh, when I came across this, I was like, oh, I've got to get this because it's great. So uh, we got a cover by Tim Bradstreet. I really like his art. I really like his covers. He just does some fantastic covers. However, it's it, it's funny because as much as I love his his Punisher covers, I don't like the way he draws the Punisher himself. I think he makes him look like John Travolta. I, I don't know what the deal is with that. He just the the face looks funny, but everything else is cool. You know, he always has some dynamic pose or something that that's always really interesting. Um, written, of course, by Garth Ennis. Um, art on this one is by Louis LaRosa and Tom Palmer on the inks. I'm a huge Tom Palmer fan. I love his inks. And this is a story called In the Beginning. 
and it starts appropriately enough at the grave site for Frank Castle, you know, Frank Castle's the Punisher, at his family's grave, you know, where his wife and his two children are buried. And, you know, right off the bat, we see Frank. And one of the reasons I, I love this so much was that, you know, they didn't pull any sort of continuity gymnastics or anything. They placed this right when the Punisher, you know, they, they placed the death dates right when the Punisher first premiered. So the death dates on the tombstone are 1976. So the, the Punisher in this story is just an old grizzled bastard. I mean, he yeah, looks, this, you know. The way I understand this series is that, like, the Punisher you have now in the 616 is kind of like a revamped Punisher. Right. He, like, you know, because in the Punisher's original origin, he was from, like, Vietnam, which right. that wouldn't make sense today because he'd be, like, 60 or something. Right. Uh, but this, in this Max world, it's the, like, the Punisher you knew since the beginning. It's the 50, right. it's, it's like mid-50s guy from the Vietnam War. Yeah. You know, yeah this guy's still around in his own world. Yeah, and I think it works much better that way, you know, that, that he's been at this for quite some time, and, and you know, you can see the scars of the war, you know, all in his face and, and everything. I really like that. Well, there's a, you know, of course, while he's standing at the gravesite, we get a flashback of what is basically his origin, but it's a flashback to the massacre that made him the Punisher. And we've seen this a lot of times in comics before, but never like this. I mean... It's brutal in its realism. You know, we, we see, you know, his little girl all shot up. We see his wife, you know, and it's just a really haunting image of his wife. You know, she's holding her chest and she's all bloody. And just the look on her face, it, it, it's just the stuff of nightmares. I mean, she's just got this pleading look on her face as she's just laying there bleeding out. And there's a just heartbreaking shot of him holding his little boy and, you know, he says in the story that, you know, he thought that he might be all right. You know, he checked him for wounds and didn't find any, and then he realized that the bullet had actually entered through the boy's open mouth, you know. So he, you know, he was dead too. And it just wraps up the flashback by just simply saying that was our picnic in the park. So right off the bat, it sets the tone for what this book is going to be like. And we follow Frank, you know, he walks down what looks to be Wall Street, and he goes into this bunker of his where there's just, you know, every weapon in the world. You know, the guy's just got a super arsenal of weapons. Loads himself up, and then we cut to outside where he's being watched by this young couple. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know exactly what they're watching him for or how they were able to track him down yet, but they're watching him just to see what he's going to do. That night... There's a party at this, you know, super ritzy mansion for Don Massimo, uh, who is turning 100 years old. Or actually, it's Don Massimo Cesare, I guess is how his name is pronounced. And uh, he's, you know, by this point, he's a Don in name only because he's so friggin' old, you know. But he's, he's turning 100, and basically anybody who's anybody in the underworld is turning out for this event. And, of course, you know, Frank Castle can't resist this you know, all these scumbags in one place at one time. So, you know, we go to inside the mansion where we see this just pathetic looking guy. You know, he's, you know, he's just like a, he's basically, he's almost a corpse anyway. You know, he's just strung up to all these bags. He's sitting in a wheelchair and he's drooling all over himself. It's pretty pathetic. And, you know, everybody's, you know, toasting to him and everything, you know, for his hundredth birthday. And we see Castle 
you know, it's cut to a, a shot of him standing in the doorway and he just says, Massimo Caesar, I'm here to kill you. And they all freeze. You know, it's just like one of those holy shit, it's the Punisher moments. And, you know, there's all these bat, you know, wise guys, you would think that somebody would draw a gun or whatever, but they're just petrified of him. And he just whips out his gun and blows the old man away and just casually walks out the door. So, you know, as he's walking away, you know, he's thinking to himself, you know, I've got a couple seconds of shock. You know, they're going to work themselves up. They're going to get all pissed off. And any minute now, they're going to come out this door in force. And, you know, they're giving me all the time I need. And he walks to this big fountain that's out in the uh, in the front yard. And, you know, you see him kind of bend down behind it. He's going to use it as some sort of barricade. Well, these guys, of course, they're all pissed, and they're, you know, they get together. Come on, guys, let's go get him, and they run out there in force. And it's just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these wise guys, and they come running up, and they're almost to Castle. He stands up. He's got an M60 in his hand, and he just blows them away. And now, at this point, I just got to say, you know, I read some Punisher comics before. I wasn't really a fan of the Punisher. One of the things I thought was the problem with the Punisher, even when he was at his most popular in the in the 80s, you know, when, when there was just such Punisher fever and there was like 50 different Punisher books out there, I read a little bit of that stuff, and most of it I found didn't seem to have any teeth. You know, yeah. that was my problem with it was that, you know, he'd go out and he'd kill bad guys, but it was all just kind of insinuated violence. You never actually saw him shoot anybody, or you never saw anybody with, like, their leg blown off or something, you know? I mean, he was supposed to be this super badass, but, you know, this stuff was within the confines of the comics code, so, you know, how bloody or violent could it get? This book pulls no punches. I mean, you see guys with, their like, half their face being blown off, holes being blown through their body, their guts hanging out and everything. And I'm not a blood and guts kind of guy, don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to read something like this, I want to see it. You know, If he's supposed to be this badass guy blowing all these criminals away, then damn it, I want to see the criminals getting blown away. And this this gives me what I want. I mean, he's just merciless. He just mows them down. They're like a, they're like a human wall coming at them, and he takes out every damn one of them. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so then they get the wise idea. They're gonna they're gonna flank him. They're gonna go around him, and uh, you know we see them. They're like running toward the pool area, and you know he mows a bunch of them down. You know, and it shows the bodies floating in the pool and stuff. And they run into the woods, and they're gonna circle around him. They're gonna flank him on both sides. Well, you know, this is the Punisher. He's like he's almost like Batman in his preparedness, and he's put out all of these uh, claymores all over the place. So, you know, these guys are dumbasses, and they're fumbling through the woods. They come out of the woods thinking they're going to get him, and the claymores just take them all out. So then, you know, at this point, the Punisher can just leisurely walk through this field shooting any survivors. I mean, he leaves nobody left. I mean, he he makes damn sure that these guys are dead. (laughs) So we cut to uh, this skyscraper in New York where... These, uh, you know, the couple that we saw earlier and another guy are watching a monitor and they're just going, I can't fucking believe I'm seeing this. And they're, they, they're watching a video feed of what the Punisher's doing and that he's just mowing all these people down. And, uh, one of the guys, you know, can't, can't, basically he can't stomach it anymore. He walks into another room and, you know, he, he's basically talking to the guy in the room and saying, you know, are you sure about this? You know, can we really take this guy down? And we 
get a shift of perspective and we see that the guy he's talking to is Frank's old helper, Microchip. Mm. And he's saying, basically, I can handle Frank Castle. You know, I'm his only friend in the world. And that's how the book, you know, is to be continued. That's the cliffhanger ending. And I remember when I read this the first, I was just hooked. I was like, wow. You know, I mean, the, the, the pull no punches violence pulled me right in, but also the, the cliffhanger, you know, that, that microchip. I mean, at this point, you don't know. Has he gone bad? You know, has he been compromised or, you know, is he just tired of the fight? What, why in the world would Micro, of all people, why would he turn on Frank Castle and, and, you know, feed him to the feds or whoever these guys are? And so I just, I, I had to keep reading this to find out, you know, what the whole deal was. And, uh, I won't give anything away, but the, the story has a just great and shocking finale to it. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, I would recommend to anybody, you know, if you want to read, you know, just a really good, you know, the criminals get exactly what's coming to them kind of, uh, vigilante comic. This is good stuff. This, uh, this Punisher Max series was just fantastic. I really enjoyed everything I read of it. And, uh, Garth Ennis, man, he, uh, he earned the paycheck on this one. It's good. Nice. That's, that's one of the series I'm going to have to, uh, I, I, there, it's on my list to get the trades at some point because I definitely want to read it because it gets so much praise, you know. I've never really read much Punisher to begin with, so I don't really, um, I know about the character. I know basically his drive and everything, but I've never really read uh, much Punisher. I think the the much the most Punisher I've ever read maybe is when he guest appearances in like a you know a Spider Man comic or something, which right. really is you know uh, the true Punisher. But you know, yeah, I definitely want to read this. That sounds awesome. So. That was about the extent of my exposure to him, too. I mean, I had read, you know, his stuff in Spider-Man when he first popped up, and then, you know, little things here and there. And I checked out, like, the first several issues. Uh, well, you know, there was that mini... There was really that mini-series by Mike Zeck, and I forget who the writer was on it, but it was like a five... I think it was a five-issue mini-series in the mid-'80s that made the, the, the Punisher like an overnight sensation. All of a sudden, the Punisher was a big friggin' deal. And not long after that, he got his own series that I don't remember if Klaus Jansen did the actual art, but I know he worked on the book. I don't know if he was just the inker, if he was the actual artist. But I read the first several issues, and I, I enjoyed it and all. And the writing was really good. I think it was Mike Barron was the writer on it. And it's not that it was bad or anything, but it was just like I say, it's like, you know, he was, he was supposed to be this just, you know, kick-ass, you know, take-no-prisoners vigilante Yet I just didn't feel it, you know? You, you never saw him really blow anybody away. It was always, you know, done off screen or there'd be a big explosion or something. But you didn't see bodies flying and you didn't see, you know, guts and all that. And I, you know, I don't know why this, this comic makes me so bloodthirsty because I'm usually very averse to those kind of books and comics and movies and everything. But in this, I mean... I just figure if you're going to pick up something that's about a guy going out and blowing away criminals, the least they can do is show it to you. And now, now, do you think, though, that it takes away from the effect of it? Because there always that, is that argument that is thing, are things better left to your imagination? You know, having some, like having him, Frank Castle, commit some act of violence, you know, off panel, does that make it more scary to you? Does that make it more, uh, uh, 
in you know does that give it more of an impact because you know it's left to your imagination to fill in the holes or does it give you the same impact when it's all on the panel mm, i don't know that, that that's i don't know that's an interesting question because i think for some things that can work very well like jaws for example i don't think jaws the the movie would work near as well as it does if we had actually got you know if spielberg had 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 a shark that worked you know what i mean I think a lot of that movie works so well because it does employ the the Hitchcockian technique of a lot of the, the the gore and the horror is left to your imagination. But I don't know that that works necessarily in something like this, where it's you know a vigilante going out shooting people. And, and you know maybe this book works so well for me because that's all the Punisher was for twenty years was a guy who yeah shot people, but you never really got to see it. Whereas in this, I mean, it's right in your face. I mean, you not only get to see him shoot the guy, you get to see the guy's brain splatter all over the place, too. And I, I think maybe it's had the impact it did, at least for me, because it was a complete pendulum swing. You know, it, it went from not showing you anything to showing you everything. And uh, so it was, it's actually, it's, it's, some parts of it are shocking in the graphic nature of it, but I don't know, you know, for, for some reason, it just it really worked on that level for me, and I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I enjoyed that it, it didn't push, pussyfoot around. You know, it's it it doesn't feel so much like a comic as that it feels like a like a gritty noir movie or or like a I don't know. It just it it feels heavier somehow. It feels more serious. You know, this is this is not. A Punisher book where you're going to see Spider-Man swing by. You well, know? It's, it's not necessarily a superhero take on the character. Exactly. It's more, like you said, a vi- just a vigilante. Exactly. And I, I like it for that reason. I, I, I like it's it's very firmly entrenched in the real world. And uh, I, I I thought it was a great book. I highly highly recommend it. You know, if you can if you can stomach the graphics. <laughs> Come gather around, people, wherever you roam. And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing All right probably wondering what this announcement is like what needs to be said what is it i can't wait any longer and i'll just get right to the point i am leaving back to the bins reasoning uh, ironically enough it is the the subject matter and the content i'm supposed to try to fill on the show don't take that in the wrong way I, i'm not dissing older comics you know i enjoy reading this stuff i enjoy Going through the back issue bins and you know reading older comics and all that, but I feel like you know I may enjoy reading an old issue of Green Lantern, but I don't necessarily you know think in a, you know it's not always possible to talk about it for five minutes uh, of the issue I don't think, and for me you know every week I I do this and I just feel like I'm saying the same damn thing every week. Oh, it was good. I liked the artwork. Uh, this is kind of the typical thing I thought I would read on the show. And, you know, like I said, I like reading this stuff, but when it comes time to actually talk and discuss it, uh, I'm having a hard time. Because 
not everything is meant to be discussed at length. Some things are just meant to be like, all right, that was cool. You know, that's all that's all we needed. And that's what I'm kind of running across with a lot of these things. And I'll just be honest, too, is kind of like, you know, I'm just not in the mood to do it anymore, like the show. I just, I don't know. It was fun at the beginning, but it seems like recently I've just kind of been burnt out on it, and I just don't really feel like doing it anymore. And I think, you know, hey, if my heart's not in it, I don't really want to drag down the show, harm it, and make it bad for you guys listening I mean, honestly, I think this is Scott's show. Uh, he's he's much more into the, th- you know, what we're dealing with on this show, and he knows a lot more about it. I mean, he's you know he's he's got the history behind it all where I don't, and I feel like you know he every week actually says something worthwhile listening to, and uh, I think he by far is the better host on the show without a doubt, and you know even though I'm leaving. Uh, Bins is still going to continue. Uh, I'm just, you know, I I came up with the idea and I kind of pitched to Scott and all that. But uh, I think, you know, I got it off the ground and I'm just going to kind of let Scott take it and, you know, continue with it. Because like I said, I think this is uh, more his show and I think he has a lot more fun with it. And I think, honestly, I think he could do something really cool with the Back to the Bins uh, idea and in name, I really think he could do something cool with it, and you know, I'd like to just let him go with it, you know, because you know, I I'm not really feeling it anymore, and I think he's just, I think he's got it. So, yeah, that's just you know, I, I mean, the way I look at it, we did 18 episodes together. Uh, I mean, most comic creators can't even get six issues done today, so I think we had a pretty good run. And you know, don't think this is anything personal between me and Scott. It's not. Scott's a good guy. I enjoy talking to him. He's a friend. And he knows a lot about comics, and, you know, I've learned a lot from him. But it's just, you know, I'm not really kind of feeling it anymore for me personally, recording. And, you know, I don't really want to, you know, be stuck doing something I'm not totally enjoying. That doesn't really make sense. So, I'm just going to, you know, leave. But Scott will keep it going, and uh, I'm not sure how it'll keep going. I've just kind of said, you know, I take the idea. You know, he might get creative with it. I don't know. Might maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But this uh, this show ain't over, so... You know, it was a good 18 episodes, and I enjoyed my time uh, for the most part, and that's it. That's all I gotta say. So, yeah, uh, last time you hear my voice on this uh, this show, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so for Back to the Bins and for Scott Gardner, I'm Alec Berry, and it's always nice to travel back, back to the bins. Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand Oh, the times they are a-changing